Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Another heat wave in the western United States. The national threat of fentanyl use. and Drug cartels want to kill American kids. What is this president doing about it? Our unsecured borders. The MAGA Republicans are destroying America. I mean, are you kidding me? Inflation, crime, open border. The Democrats. They're being exposed. A government that's held accountable. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. And uh, it is a political trivia News and Views, your category Labor Day. We'll plan a little bit. Fox News, along with a number of other national media outlets, is reporting on that incident down in Jacksonville. One student had been killed by a stabbing incident at Northside High School in Jacksonville today. A spokesperson from the Jacksonville Police Department said in a news conference that two minors were sent to the hospital after sustaining injuries in the stabbing. The incident is still being investigated. One student has been arrested. One teacher was also uh, injured in the incident but is not believed to have been stabbed or taken to the hospital. The names of the individuals involved in the altercation have not been released. A school resource officer responded to the attack within 20 seconds. Police Chief Mike Yaniero said that when the attack started, a student resource officer was on the scene within 20 seconds, asked for help at 7.01 for a report of an altercation. It was discovered the two students had been stabbed just inside the common area of the school. The chief said that one student was taken into custody. The school was on lockdown until 8.45 a.m. Medical care was given by faculty at the school To those who were injured, the chief said, the two students were taken to the Naval Medical Center at Camp Lejeune, where one succumbed to their injuries. The chief said that he believes one teacher was injured as well, but not stabbed. As we just mentioned, they were treated by EMS. When asked about the weapon used in the stabbing, the chief said that that is part of the ongoing investigation. Police said next of kin of the victims have been notified, but due to them being minors, their names were not released. Given that the stabbing occurred within the common area of the school, when asked whether it's fair to say a lot of other students witnessed the attack, the chief said yes. That will take us some time to sort through. Police will interview students who saw or may have seen the attack. The chief said this is an active investigation. The school system said the classes at Northside are canceled for the rest of the day and Friday. Uh, Friday will be a virtual day. We're told students will return face-to-face learning on Tuesday. All athletic events at the school have been canceled for today and on Friday. The chief would not immediately confirm whether the stabbing was gang-related, saying that this is a part of an ongoing investigation. So that's not how you want to make national news, unfortunately. And uh, you you hear about these uh, incidents at schools. Fortunately, it wasn't a school shooting. It could have been worse, I suppose. But uh, violence at schools in high school, probably gang-related. Um, now, we, we I, I'm assuming when I say that, that it's probably gang-related. Uh, second choice would be perhaps it was uh, related to some uh, fight over a girlfriend, but more likely gang-related. The Carolina Journal is reporting when charges were announced against Wake County deputive, uh, Deputy, I should say, Ned Bird's accused killers, the brothers Ardio 
uh, Marin Statello and Alder Alfonso Marin Statello, a charge of possession of a firearm by an illegal area, uh, alien was introduced, making the killing not just a local law enforcement issue, but a border control issue for many Republicans. Yesterday, Tom Tillis, along with Ted Budd, released a press statement and sent a letter to Secretary Mayorkas of Homeland Security demanding immigration information about the brothers. Specifically, they requested the alien files or A files and had, an, and had any other relevant information on the brothers. They were asking for that as well. Quote, based on public reporting, we have reason to believe that one or more of the Marin Statello brothers may be in the country illegally, Tillis and Bud's letter said. This raises significant questions about how they entered the country, why they were able to remain in the United States, and whether robust immigration enforcement would have apprehended them sooner and prevented the death of Deputy Byrd. Separately, Tillis and Bud also held a roundtable yesterday with Border Patrol Union President Brandon Judd and North Carolina House Speaker Tim Moore, along with law enforcement officers and legislative leaders. They discussed the need for better border control enforcement and the need for local law enforcement to work with federal immigration officials. We talked yesterday about the fact that if Republicans get a supermajority, they will most likely pass legislation requiring sheriffs to work with ICE officials in terms of handing over criminal illegal aliens. Now, again, as we mentioned yesterday, this would not include just people that are here illegally, but those people who have been here illegally and committed a crime. Deputy Byrd's killings at the hand of those who are likely in the country illegally could make a splash into two big uh, Wake County races, the Wake Care, uh, County Sheriff's race between Donnie Harrison and Wo- uh, Willie Rowe and the 13th Congressional race, which is the state's only true toss-up race in 2022 between Republican Bo Hines and Democrat Wiley Nickel. Uh, it is um, even more frustrating when you see what's happening at the border where hundreds, if not thousands, are coming across Uh, literally every day, uh, thousands every week, literally tens of thousands every month. And when you hear hear this kind of situation where an individual loses their life, a deputy putting his life on the line, loses his life at the hands of an illegal alien, uh, frankly, it makes the Biden administration complicit in this crime. I mean, we know this is happening. We know this will continue to happen if this goes unabated. And yet the the Biden administration and the press secretary, day after day, stand up at the podium and lie. I, I don't know if they actually think anyone believes them, but they get up and lie day after day about how the border is secure. How about there aren't people crossing the border? About how Biden is, uh, you know, he is just with us and when it comes to uh, making sure that fentanyl no longer comes across the border it's a joke and unfortunately it, it is a joke that doesn't have a happy ending there's nothing funny about it well this is the third day in a row where we're bringing you uh, reports of uh, disasters for the greeny world first it was wind turbines collapsing because wind gusts reached 50 miles an hour 
which is not much of a wind gust. Uh, Yesterday, because of potential blackouts in California, we told you that the Golden State is now begging California residents not to plug in their electric vehicles over the weekend. So while they're telling you you've got to have an electric vehicle by 2035, they're also telling us within the same breath, but don't plug them in because we don't have enough electricity to go around. And again, you know, it's fossil fuels that produces the electricity that charges your electric cars. But hey, if you feel good about it, go for it. Well, more bad greeny news today. Amazon, they're out about solar power. Amazon powered off their solar roofs, which helps supply electricity at its fulfillment centers. Why? Because they're all catching on fire. Multiple fires and electrical explosions, according to a report from CNBC. Internal documents viewed by the outlet revealed that six out of 47 sites in North America with solar installations experience critical fire or arc flash events between April of 2020 and June of 2021, costing an average of $2.7 million per incident. Those are expensive fires. Among other examples, an Amazon warehouse in Perryville, Maryland, caught fire just this last year, costing $500,000 in damages. The rate of dangerous incidents is unacceptable and above industry averages, an Amazon employee reportedly wrote in one of the documents. According to a press release published last year, Amazon is the largest corporate buyer of renewable energy globally and maintains 206 green energy projects around the world. At the time, Amazon has been on pace toward 100% renewable energy by 2025. That obviously has taken a a setback. In 2017, Amazon committed to achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2040. The e-commerce giant is also a founding member of First Movers Coalition, a group of companies brought together by the World Economic Forum. That would be the Davos uh, progressives and the Biden administration to leverage market power and accelerate global green energy adoption. What are we going to do with the panels after you have to replace them? What are you, what are you going to, I mean, apparently they're highly toxic and uh, most of them are produced over in China. Anyway, uh, there you go. Another success story for green energy. Wind turbines collapsing. Don't charge your electric cars. And now your solar panels that uh, (laughs) keep Amazon going are catching on fire. And uh, they said, "Eh, time to turn off the switch. Daily Wire is reporting a top Russian oil executive has passed away under mysterious circumstances this week after criticizing Russian President Vladimir Putin's war in Ukraine. Ravel Maganov the chairman of Russia's second-largest oil producer, Lukoil, died Thursday after he fell from a hospital window in Moscow. Sources close to Maganov told Reuters they believed it was highly unlikely he killed himself. Lukoil issued a statement shortly after Putin invaded Ukraine, in which the company called for a quick end to the war, one of the few Russian companies to do so. The board of directors at Lukoil expressed Herewith, the deepest concerns about the tragic events in Ukraine. 
The company said, calling for the soonest termination of the armed conflict, we expressed our sincere empathy for all victims who were affected by this tragedy. We strongly support a lasting ceasefire and a settlement of problems through serious negotiations and diplomacy. If that statement got Putin upset, (laughs) the guy's pretty thin-skinned. Luke Oil issued a statement following Maganoff's death this week, saying he had passed away following a severe illness. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it was the severe illness from which he passed away, though. Luke Oil's many thoughts of employees mourn deeply for this grievous loss and express our sincere condolences to the family. Former Defense Intelligence Agency officer Rebecca Koffler said that Maganoff's death followed a standard Russian intelligence playbook of how Russia deals with problematic citizens. Koffler pointed out to how Russian media gave conflicting accounts of what happened as evidence that the government was trying to muddy the waters to prevent anyone from discovering the truth. Interfax said he died having fallen out a window and Tass wrote that it was suicide. Koffler said yet another paper speculated that he was trying to go out on a balcony to get a smoke. The truth is these tactics are designed deliberately to be stealthy so no investigator could identify foul play. (laughs) Uh, Okay, we might not have empirical evidence that it was foul play, but um, I'd say it's it's a safe bet. If you want to put any wagers on how he died, I don't think suicide will uh, win the day. Hey, we've got to take a time out. Lots more to talk about and political trivia. We'll play in a little bit. Uh, Labor Day is your category. Lots more to talk about. Stay with us. News and Views continues right after this. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Many of you might be familiar with uh, Carney Hedgepath. He's the pastor at Author Christian Church and Bell Author and Director of Emergency Services in Beaufort County. He suffered life-threatening injuries in a very serious motorcycle accident back in June. He is now at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta, Georgia, undergoing extensive rehabilitation. The Bunyan Fire Department is having a fundraiser on Saturday, September the 10th to assist Carney and his family with expenses. It runs from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. They'll be selling pit-cooked chop barbecue for $10 per pound. Walk-ins are welcome. However, they do encourage you to pre-order. You can do that by going to bunionbarbecue.com. That's B-U-N-Y-A-N-B-B-Q.com. And we do uh, wish the best for Carney and his family and a complete recovery. Taking a quick look at your weather forecast for today. Mostly cloudy skies this evening. It'll become partly cloudy after midnight. Another pleasant night, low of 67. Tomorrow, mostly sunny skies, a high around 90. Tomorrow night, generally fair with low of 67. Sunshine on Saturday in the morning. Increasing clouds during the afternoon with a high of 89. A few clouds overnight on Saturday night, a low of 67. All in all, a pretty good-looking uh, weather forecast for the memor- for the Memorial Day, for the Labor Day weekend. Um, it is uh, today is uh, September first. Hard to believe, August is gone and September is here. It is World Letter Writing Day. Does anybody write letters anymore? 
I mean, with in all honesty, just a personal letter. I mean, I send out business letters, business correspondence, but uh, so much is done over the uh, Internet and email. 83 years ago today, 1939, do you know what happened? World War II began. Nazi Germany invaded Poland on September 1st, 1939. Weather and uh, trivia <laughs> brought to you by our friends at Ironwood. Whether you're looking to spend time poolside, courtside, or greenside, Ironwood Golf and Country Club offers a variety of memberships tailored to fit your lifestyle with no initiation fee required. And listen, if you're headed to the beach this fall, pack your clubs. Ironwood members receive reciprocal golf and dining privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort and Compass Point Golf Club at Magnolia Greens located near Wilmington. For more information, contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Her number is 252 752 Join in the fun at Ironwood today. Ironwood, a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. A federal judge today didn't immediately rule on a request from Donald Trump's attorneys for a special master to review documents which were seized from Trump's home last month by the FBI. After a 1 p.m. hearing, Judge Aline Cannon said she will issue a written ruling on Trump's request, which is opposed by the Department of Justice. The hearing is the latest chapter in the battle over a closely watched Justice Department investigation into whether Trump illegally possessed classified national security materials at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. The FBI raided Trump's property as a part of the investigation early last month. Trump's lawyer, Jim Trusty, during the hearing slammed the DOJ for allegedly grasping at anything for which to prosecute Trump. He said the FBI could have taken an overdue library book and it would have suddenly turned into a criminal investigation. He went on to note broader concerns for the institution of the presidency itself after the unprecedented raid. DOJ attorney Jay Bratt, meanwhile, argued that Trump no longer has the same legal privileges to classify documents when he's in office. The point is that Trump is making that he declassified those documents when he was in office. He is no longer the president, Bratt said. Interesting. Trump's attorney is named Trusty. The DOJ attorney is named Bratt. <laughs> Just saying. Bratt said he no longer is the president, and that's not because he is, and that's because he is not. Well, that's deep. <laughs> He's no longer the president, and because he is not. Um, he said he was unlawfully in possession of these documents. Uh, Justice Department lawyers also argued that a special master is simply not necessary and said it would delay the investigation into Trump. It's, so it's, uh, listen, you all are going to want to be able to defend yourself and why you did what you did, you are now in the hot seat. I, you know, why, do, why are you so opposed to having this special master? Do you not want a just system? Or do you just want to try to fry Donald Trump the best you can? Canna, meanwhile, seems skeptical of the government's arguments at times. Quote, the judge said, what is the harm of appointing a special master? What is your articulation of harm other than the general concern that it would delay a criminal investigation? She also floated the idea of letting the Director of National Intelligence review the documents. No. <laughs> the Director of National Intelligence is a 
Biden appointee. I mean, that, that is almost like saying, well, like, hey, let's let Merrick Garland look over the documents, which, of course, he's already said they have. And, I mean, basically, he said at the beginning of the week, hey, hey don't worry about it, Judge. Uh, we've already checked over all the documents. You can trust us. Trump's team and the DOJ also disagreed during the hearing about the gravity of the national security documents being stored at Mar-a-Lago. We need to take a deep breath. These are presidential records in the hands of the 45th president at a place which was used frequently for work during his presidency. DOJ prosecutor Julie Edelstein, meanwhile, said some of those records included the most classified records in the U.S. There was no place at that property that was authorized for those records. Well, the FBI was just down there a couple of months ago. They looked through where Donald Trump was storing the records in his safe room, and they said, well, hey, let's put an extra lock on there, and they walked away satisfied. And now the DOJ comes out and said some of these records included most highly classified records in the U.S. There was no, there was no place at the property that was authorized for these records. Trump's lawyers also took a moment to address a photo included in the government brief Wednesday of several folders folders of classified documents on the floor. Trustee said it was perfectly staged and a press release within their motion. Uh, I mean, if you've seen that picture, it, 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 it truly is. I mean, and, and Trump went on, uh, Trump himself tweeted how ridiculous it was. They put this photo out there. If you haven't seen it, it's a bunch of documents, a box on the floor. It almost looks as if uh, they were, you know, put there by Donald Trump, which Donald Trump said they were not. They were all in folders. They were in a safe room. And it, it really does have the appearance that the DOJ just, oh, we took a snapshot while we we're in there. This is what we found. Uh, I think at the end of the day, Donald Trump, now I know there are some people out there, even some people that have some conservative leanings that say Donald, yeah, if you're watching on uh, line or on cable seven, there's, there's the photograph. And you know, the ones in yellow say, you know, top secret or whatever. Uh, I mean, it's, it's as if the DOJ is, you know, oh, here's the evidence. We know he has to be guilty. See, here's the stage photo we took. Uh, I, I tell you what, in all honesty, why are they going after Donald Trump so often? And uh, Because he is willing to drain the swamp. He, he is, I think uh, Ron DeSantis wouldn't take any stuff off of people like Merrick Garland and uh, others, Christopher Ray. I think he'd get in there and clean house. But I think if you really want somebody to play hardball, if you want someone that is experienced, if you want someone who now looks back and says, I was too trusting of the deep state, if you want to remove the deep state, I actually think Donald Trump is the guy that could do it better than anybody else. And again, I get so tired of people complaining about his tweets and his method. I mean, how often... Republicans have said, could we get somebody in there that plays hardball as hard as the Democrats do? And we get one in there and then we start whining about, oh, we don't like his tweets. That's that's the worst you can say about the guy. I'll take I'll take his tweets every day. I'll take a one hour a day every day of the week with his tweets. If it means getting rid of the likes of Joe Biden and his banana republic 
way of doing things. Unbelievable. Paul Pelosi's back in the news, and once again, there's been pillow talk. Paul Pelosi, the husband of Nancy, Queen Nancy, dodged an extra 20% loss by selling his NVIDIA stock in July before the U.S. placed restrictions on the company in August. According to congressional stock trade records, Pelosi's husband unloaded 25,000 shares of the semiconductor manufacturer on July the 27th. Now, if you remember, he unloaded those stocks shortly after it uh, hit the news that there was perhaps some insider trading because of the passage of the chip manufacturing legislation that really enhanced the value of a lot of these chip manufacturers. And the speculation was he was at when, on July 27th, he was unloading those because the heat was getting to him. In fact, I speculated that, that apparently it's, uh, it's too much. And he's trying to get out while the getting is good so he doesn't end up in jail. No. Now it appears he unloaded the stock not because of any noble purpose. He unloaded the stock because he, know, he knew it was about to crash. How did he know it was about to crash? He's married to the Speaker of the House. The sale came as the speaker faced intense scrutiny over her husband's purchase of the shares of the uh, just ahead of the chips bill. Nearly a month later, on August 26, the federal government placed restrictions on Nvidia doing business with China and Russia. At a selling price of $165.05 in the July sale, netted Pelosi $341,365 loss according to the financial website Unusual Whales. Unusual Whales also reported that if Mr. Pelosi had sold the shares Wednesday, August the 31st, there would have been an extra 20% loss due to the government restrictions. Nancy Pelosi's spokesperson Drew Hamill told Fox Digital there's no correlation between Mr. Pelosi's sale and the government restrictions placed a month later. I, Drew Hamill said the same thing about when he bought the stocks just before the chip bill was announced. Oh, yeah. yeah coincidental. I mean, he just he's, he's just a real bright guy, or he gets all his information from uh, Kramer on CNBC. Uh, do I want to get into this yet? No, let's not. I, there's a story about uh, the next uh, housing crisis, which is probably around the corner. Uh, I'll tell you all about that. But first, let's play political trivia. 561-8255. Got a great prize package. Your category, Labor Day. Give us a call. 561-8255. Political trivia when we get back. All right, welcome in. It is uh, Political Trivia for Political Trivia Thursday, and uh, your category is Labor Day. All right. Your prize package includes gift certificates for a free oil change at Dave Davis's East Carolina Chrysler Dodge Jeep or Washington Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. Also, gift certificates to Fit for Life to the Mucho Bueno Mexican restaurant down in uh, Havelock. Also, gift certificate to Gwendy Goodies, Gwendy's Goodies Bakery in Aden, and a gift certificate to uh, the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. So, a good prize package. Remember, if you or anyone in your immediate family have won recently, that's 60 days past before you play again. 
Your category today, Labor Day. I think we have one line open, 561-8255, area code 252-561-8255. First up from Greenville, it's Mitch. Hey, Mitch. How's it going, Tom? I'm doing well. You ready to play? Uh, probably not, but let's do All it. All right, let's give it a shot. You're, you're the uh, sacrificial lamb here, uh, Mitch. Sorry about that. Uh, your category is Labor Day. Your question, Congress passed an act on June 28, 1894 to make Labor Day a legal holiday to be celebrated on the first Monday of September. President Grover Cleveland signed the act that year establishing a federal holiday related to creating this federal holiday by Congress just eight years earlier in May of 1886. 350,000 workers staged a nationwide work stoppage. Here's your question. What was the issue which inspired this national labor strike? Um, if, if by issue you mean like a historic event? Well, why, why did these workers go on strike back in May of 1886? which that strike uh, was the impetus for which the Labor Day was actually uh, created. What was okay. the issue they were striking over? If I remember right, there was a Labor Day tied somehow to like the Haymarket bombing in Chicago. Ah, uh, that's not it. Good guess. Oh. Not, that's oh, not well, it. Yeah. All right, thank you, Mitch. 561-8255. Line is open. Let's go to Bruce in Emerald Isle. Hey, Bruce. Bruce apparently did not know the answer. He hung up. <laughs> so we're looking for the issue of why people went on strike. Who do you got? Bobby? Hey, Bobby. Hey. All right. This is Bobby, right? Yes. All right. Did you hear the question? Yes. Okay. What was the issue which inspired this national labor strike? What were they striking over? The Pullman strike? The Pullman strike. The the railroad deal? Yes. That's not it. Railroad car. That That is not it. Oh. But th- that happened about that time. That was a good guess. But that was not the issue. 561-8255. Jameson is on the line. Hey, Jameson. I think it was a textile riot. It wasn't. Well, I mean, there were uh, probably textile mills that struck, but that wasn't the issue per se. So, uh, hey, good guess, 561-8255. Is it time for a hint? Say it again. You're, you're, not, coming through, you're not coming through the headphones, uh, Clark. Yeah. Robert? Hey, Robert. Yes, good afternoon. Hey, you ready for a hint? Uh, yes. Or do you think you know it? <laughs> well, All I right. think I do, but hey, a hint. All right. Well, by today's standards, it is surprising that this was even an issue. Okay. So what were they yes. striking over? My guess is eight-hour workday. You got it. You didn't even need the hint. Yes. That was it. Yeah, the purpose of the May strike was to bring pressure on employers and state governments to create an eight-hour workday. Up to then, workers commonly worked 12 hours a day. So uh, that was a big deal. And uh, six years later, yeah, we had uh, Congress created Labor Day. Where are you calling from? Winterville. All right. Well, hang on the line, and Clark's going to get all your info, and uh, congratulations, and we'll be right back.
Let's go, Brandon. When we're not covering Brandon's heroics. This, uh, Brandon, she, what does he play? Well, Mr. President, they're not, um... Folks, let's hear it for Brandon. What a job he's doing. Let's go, Brandon. Now back to news and Let's news on 96.3 and 103.7. Congratulations to Robert Gano of uh, Winterville. The purpose of that May strike, which eventually brought around uh, Labor Day as a federal holiday, uh, it was over an eight-hour workday. And uh, Clark, my producer, wants to know what that is. What what is an eight hour workday? <laughs> he has been here since what uh, five a.m. this morning. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look it up. It's in the encyclopedia. <laughs> Democrat Mayor Lori Lightfoot, aka Beetlejuice, slammed Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott today calling him a man without any morals after he sent two buses of migrants to Chicago's Union Station on Wednesday night. Lightfoot made the comments during a press conference with city leaders and local partners. Quote, let me say loud and clear to Greg Abbott and his enablers in Texas with these continued political stunts. Governor Abbott has confirmed what, unfortunately, many of us have known already, that he is a man without morals, humanity, or shame, Lightfoot said. Lightfoot also said Am, uh, Abbott chose to inhumanely load them onto buses and send them to Chicago without any regard for what their next steps are. So they had big plans down in Texas? <laughs> I mean, they I didn't realize they all had jobs lined up in, in these Texas towns. And Greg Abbott has just upset the tea cart. And, uh, you know, the, they all these illegals had appointments and job interviews set up, and now Greg Abbott has just interfered with all that. How about complaining to Mayorkas? How about complaining to Joe Biden? How about screaming at them? It's their policies that are bringing them across the border. Why aren't you ripping what little hair you have in there out over the fact that they're not following Donald Trump's policies, which very work very successfully? They don't care about I me. Mean, how can we vilify Republicans? Uh, this next story is baffling to me that uh, this is happening again. I mean, 2008 housing crisis is not that long ago. We're talking about 14 years ago. We only got over it a few years ago. Bank of America said it is now offering first-time home buyers in a select group of cities zero down payments, zero closing uh, cost on their mortgages to help growth and ownership amongst black and Hispanic and Latino communities. Now, they say that. They also say, hey, Whitey, you can also get, that, get in on this, but uh, the option will be um, come available in certain neighborhoods in Charlotte, Dallas, Detroit, Los Angeles, and Miami. The new mortgage called the Community Affordable Loan Solution aims to help eligible in individuals and families obtain affordable loans to purchase a home, the bank said. Applicants do not have to be black or Hispanic to qualify for the product, according to a bank representative. Quote, home ownership strengthens our communities, can help individuals and families to build wealth over time. Listen, let me just say, first of all, um, making home loans to people who cannot afford the loans uh, introduced us to one of the worst recessions ever 
in our country. Now, it wasn't the Great Depression, but it was one of the worst recessions ever in our country. And, I mean, why would you go there again? But beyond that, this is not, uh, listen, I, I have no empirical evidence. I'm, and this is a view, uh, the, the view part of news and views. There is no way Bank of America is doing this on their own. Bank of America is having incentives or arm twisting by the Biden administration to do this. Now, the, the Biden administration wouldn't want to come out and say they are doing this because of the uproar, because of what happened in 2008. Of course, 2008 is when the poop hit the fan. But, uh, you know, it was these um, subprime mortgages. Well, now Bank of America is basically reintroducing this, not necessarily saying it's subprime, but we're going to give incentives. And I I promise you, uh, part of the incentive of this is if you haven't qualified before, you might qualify now. And, hey, no money down, no closing costs. Just come on in, sign on the dotted line, and you can buy a house. Uh, again, interesting, this happens just before the election. But Bank of America is not doing this on their own. The Biden administration, they're, they're behind it, pure and simple. Uh, I'm sure we're going to hear more about this as it goes on, but uh, this, this is... Uh, this is not being originated by some guru at the Bank of America. Parents have reacted negatively to a New York Times podcast claiming that people were caught off guard by the current mental health crisis among teenagers, considering how isolated many young people were during the COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, teenagers in the United States are experiencing a mental health crisis, New York Times tweeted, with a link to the daily episode, why has the issue become so widespread? Why have so many people been caught off guard? Podcast host Michael Barbero noted at the top of the program how the mental health crisis is especially uh, throughout the pandemic become a lot more visible to people, which is that kids, especially teenagers in the United States, are in the throes of a mental health crisis. But the show did not touch upon how COVID-related school closures were found to have exasperated mental health amongst young people, according to the studies. The Fairfax County Parents Association of Virginia cried foul at the apparent omission, as well as the wording of the tweet, quote, parents weren't caught off guard. We have been warning about school closures causing irreparable harm since June of 2020, the group tweeted. Finally, at New York Times is catching up. They can help educate the leaders of the school system who are still in denial that learning loss and development delays are real. The Fairfax parent group expressed frustration on the overall issue, arguing that until recently it has been largely ignored by government officials and the media. Now, also what critics have blasted is the New York Times apparently last year was gushing all over the American Federation of Teachers President Randy Weingarten, who has been pushed. I mean, she was pushing again this year to close school, virtual leading again, learning again. Uh, she was a, uh, but they're they're championing her now as a champ a, a champion of schools reopening, despite her union often appearing to slow walk the reopening of schools. And I, I mean, this is 180 degrees from the truth. 
and yet the New York Times are shoveling it out. The piece, the Times columnist Michelle Goldberg was initially headlined, Can This Woman Save American Public Education? It was then changed to, What Will It Take to Get Schools Back to Normal? Finally, they settled on, quote, We Desperately Need Schools to Get Back to Normal. The story appeared on the front page of the Sunday Review of the Times, which included the subheadline, The Pandemic Has Left Teachers, Parents, and Students in a Crisis. Randy Weingarten May Have a Way Out. Randy Weingarten was the person that introduced and enforced and demanded the shutting down of schools. We repeatedly pleaded with the media outlets to talk about the importance of mental and emotional health of kids as they were repeatedly shoved to the side in favor of whatever the teachers and unions wanted, parents in Fairfax, Virginia said. Parents learned quickly that the media no longer researches and investigates stories to expose what is happening. They instead pick and choose to cover only things that fit into their pre Uh, established and preferred narrative bingo so without question the idea that any entity would talk about the mental and emotional health problems of our nation's children while ignoring the crime perpetuated those against the children for so long is a sad joke listen it's worse than that they are told the new york times is told by groups like the american federations of teachers what to say and they gladly capitulate unbelievable Hey, listen, thanks again for being with us today. Congratulations again to our political trivia winner, Robert Gonneau. And we'll do it again tomorrow at 5. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.